Before we begin today, mark your calendar for April 21, 2020 for the Spring Scholarship Dinner. This year's speaker needs to only be introduced by her first name, Reba. Reba McIntyre, Country Music Hall of Fame and Kennedy Center Honors Recipient, will be here this year and it'd be a great time for you to come and hear about her life and things that she shares and support our students with scholarships. Even though she needs no introduction, she has had success across music, television, film, theater, and even retail. She's a Golden Globe nominated actress with 11 movie credits to her name. She has had a lead role on Broadway. She's been in a starring role in six-season television sitcom by her first name. So come back to Mississippi College. Enjoy hearing from someone who has had a lot of interesting experiences and support our students. I'm Jim Turcott, and this is Mississippi College Stories. I graduated from MC in 1983, and for those of you who went to Mississippi College, we all know alumni who are at the top of their fields. We know alumni who their life's calling has placed them in positions of leadership. They are truly making a difference in the world. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. This Mississippi College story is from Dr. Bo Roberts. His introduction could easily be longer than the interview. He distinguished himself over decades as a beloved professor. He served as the Dean of the School of Business and once served as the interim president of Mississippi College. There's even a classroom name for him in the School of Business. If you haven't seen this room, you should make a trip to see it. There is a state-of-the-art entrepreneurship classroom where MC students meet for class and hear from entrepreneurs in person about their work. Like I said, there are so many other accomplishments we could list, but the most important one is the difference he has made in the countless individual lives of MC students for decades. I am one of those former students who had the benefit of taking his classes, and I can testify firsthand that I learned much from Dr. Roberts, and I still do. There is so much more to the man, Dr. Bo Roberts, than we knew as students as well. So listen in as he shares more about himself and learn new things about Dr. Bo Roberts. I'm Jim Turcott, and today I'm sharing the MC story of Dr. Bo Roberts, or should I say the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Your story covers more than 35 years at Mississippi College. That's, that's amazing just in itself. You've served MC in countless ways to include professor, interim president, uh, the namesake of a recently dedicated classroom in entrepreneurship. So what are you doing with yourself these days? Well, Jim, I'm, I'm still working part-time for the college. I'm uh, the treasurer of the college foundation, and I spend a, a couple of days a week working for the foundation and then for special projects here. I no longer teach. Uh, honestly, I miss it. I miss the students. Uh, the whole uh, job, the, the, the reason I stayed at Mississippi College is because of the students and the, 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 the association I had with them. It gave me a, a chance to have a wonderful life. Actually, uh, this uh, December, I'll be in here 38 years. 38. And uh, 35 of those, for the most part, I, I taught students. Right. And, and the best friends I have 
in, in this world. Our students are located all over this world. And I still hear from them. I still communicate with some in China and uh, all the different places. Occasionally I'll have a conversation with some student from Brazil, but mostly they're students in this, in this country and most of them are within about a four or 500 mile radius. It's been good. Well, when you love students like you do, they just love you back more than you love them, don't they? Well, they do. That's the truth. And I do love them. And uh, I spend a lot of time with them. I spend a lot of time out of class. I still spend a lot of time with them. Uh, even uh, sometimes talking about their business problems, uh, other problems. And, but mostly just friendly get-togethers, say hellos, see what's happening, catch up, those kind of things. Well, let's go back to the beginning because... I would bet that a lot of your students really have not known your the origins of Bo Roberts. I mean, where where were you born? Where were you raised? I, I was born in in Mississippi, in Moss Point, Mississippi, or outside of Moss Point, Mississippi. And I graduated from high school there. I uh, uh, I'd never been on Ole Miss campus before, but uh, they offered me a uh, a small academic scholarship, and they were few and far between then because I'm old, and <laughs> and so. I went to school at Ole Miss. My parents drove me up there. We had one car, and they dropped me off. And it was a long drive from the coast to Oxford at that point in time. And uh, uh, I was in summer school. I started, and I finished there. And uh, I worked at a couple jobs, and uh, I worked for the university there. And I, uh, they encouraged me to go back to graduate school, and I did. And I got my master's and started working on a doctorate. And Let me stop you right there. Before you got before you even got to college. What did you think you were going to do with your life when you were a young, younger man? Uh, I always, uh, with the encouragement of my father, I was the first person to go to college for my family, but with the encouragement of my father, I, I knew I was going to school. And uh, his <laughs> encouragement was strong sometimes. <laughs> but it was a great thing he did. He made sure that I didn't uh, go astray. And, and that's, that was awful easy for me to do, I can tell you. I was tempted by other things, but... Uh, he, he had uh, a lot of foresight and a lot of understanding. And both uh, both my brother uh, and me uh, went on to college. My brother is a veterinarian, went, went to state hmm. undergraduate in Auburn Vet School, and, and uh, he's been a, a doctor of veterinarian medicine for 40-plus 40 40 years now. And that was all because uh, our dad pushed us. And he mm. wanted us to go to school. And then, but you didn't have anything in particular like when you were a teenager, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up, right? I don't think so. You know, I looked at uh, the possibility of the law and uh, looked at other things. I was kind of, actually, my, my dad was mayor of the town for a while and I was uh, uh, maybe somewhat encouraged to work in politics, but it, that, uh, that faded as time went on and uh, I, I, I sort of, I just found my direction. Actually, as a graduate assistant at Ole Miss, I started teaching and teaching lower level courses. And uh, and this was probably when I was about 23, 24. And uh, I, ta I taught stat labs there for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. At that time, when you took business statistics, even though it was a three-hour course, you went to class for three hours a week, but you went to the lab for two hours. You spent five hours to get three hours credit. And I taught those statistics labs, and and you, you know I felt like I I, I, 
I belonged there. It, it, it was a kind of thing I liked doing, and I liked working with them and helping students. So, I mean, I could tell you stories. Now, back then, we had the old rotary-type calculators, and they'd shake on the desk, and <laughs> numbers would roll around on them to come up and stuff. We got the first electronic calculator when I, into our lab when I was teaching the stat labs. It would add, subtract, multiply, and divide, and it costs fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Today you can buy the same thing with a lot more on it for three or four dollars or five dollars. <laughs> they give them away. You know? <laughs> they do. But it it was at that point that I, I felt like I, I I belonged in a classroom. So is that why you went on and started pursuing your doctorate? Yes. And, okay. And, and uh, I finished my doctorate uh, in. I say I defended in in 1974, but I already had a full time job at Arkansas State University, and I was uh, just a, a young professor there. In fact, when I started at Arkansas State University, I was 25. I'd have been 26 the next month, but uh, I was relatively young and and really green. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on the tenure track there? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a tenure track. I I, I came in as an assistant professor, and so I was mm. on a tenure track position, although you really, uh, until I, I finished my doctorate while I was there, while I worked on my dissertation and finished it. Now, we didn't have uh, personal computers. Uh, in fact, we didn't have electronic typewriters. And so what you did is that you uh, worked at night uh, writing, and you found a, a, a portable typewriter of some sort, uh, uh, a desk typewriter, one of the old kinds without electricity attached to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> manual typewriter. Manual typewriters. <laughs> and well, how did you correct everything with well, correction paper? Yeah, and you you know they, they had a lot of correct all things, little things you could write. <laughs> Actually, somebody had to uh, at the graduate uh, school had to uh, type your final copy in the professional people, and that was a, a, a charge because it it had to be correct before it was bound. So the copy you took to your uh, doctoral defense was well done. And that's a lot better than the copies I made. I mean, it, it, yes. Uh, wow. So uh, what was your major? Uh, my major in, uh, in uh, the doctoral program was economics, but I had a, okay. a, a two fields. I had a quantitative field and a marketing field, a marketing research field that went with it. And uh, so you, you, you had to uh, prove competency in, in those areas. And then... Uh, we were required to be able to read uh, journals in at least one language, and I, I studied German for, for that. And then uh, there also you needed something, a tool to go with it, and uh, I took a, a, a quantitative approach uh, to it. So I took a good bit of math courses and uh, uh, econometrics courses and those kinds of things. So when did you get uh, connected to businesses and consulting and working with business? While I was at Arkansas State, and after I finished my doctorate, I, 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 first thing I started doing for banks was uh, polling and surveying. And uh, I had a, a fairly good background in statistics, and, and uh, one of the local banks used me often. And, but I, I, and, and then they invited me in to work with them in their marketing department, and really eventually they hired me away. And I became a, a vice president and director of marketing for, for a fairly good-sized bank in, in the area. And it, it, was a, it was a good move because I wanted to get outside of teaching and have some real experience. And I learned a lot in, uh, 
and in that particular bank, uh, the marketing department also taught all the the law the uh, officers, the upper level people in the annual. We had an officers meeting every week. It was our responsibility to educate them on something, and uh, I looked forward to that. I had a, a department of about fifteen people that worked under me, and we had a lot a lot of uh, banking responsibilities. Uh, uh, correspondent banking was under it. That seems a little odd, but uh, and all of the all the planning, developing the strategic plan. Uh, I, I got a lot of good experience there, and I worked with a lot of uh, businesses that had uh, accounts at the bank. I worked with uh, our, our larger accounts, and mm -hmm. so that and and it was a teaching experience too, because I spent a lot of time teaching the people that worked under me uh, various. Uh, techniques and uh, tried to get them involved in, in new ideas. We actually created one of the first in this country, one of the first interest-bearing checking accounts. Hmm. And certainly the first one in our state and the first one in the region, but some people think it was the first one in the country. And it came out of our, our marketing department there. And, Man. And it was, so that was a good experience. And, then I left them, and uh, a guy in Little Rock started a, a marketing company, and he came, and he hired me away from the bank, and I went down there, and, and actually I didn't spend but about a, a year and a half, of, not, well, maybe closer to two years with him, got, got the company going and stuff, and uh, uh, some Canadians, uh, a former student of mine at Arkansas State, uh, recommended me to some Canadians who had holdings in uh, Colorado, and they came and flew me out there a couple of times and offered me a job with more money than I'd ever made. And I, I, what I would do is I ran, I would run the holding company for them. But something happened there that was real interesting. I, I came through Jackson uh, for a uh, watch a football game. I was traveling a little bit for the bank. I, I, I pulled over. A guy gave me some tickets. And I met an old friend at the game, just by chance. He was the dean of the school of business here, but we, we were in graduate school together. And I had never been on Mississippi College campus, hmm. but, but there were what a lot. Year, of, what, about, about what year is this? Yeah, well, we're talking about uh, eighty fall of eighty one. Okay. And uh, anyway, we stopped and talked outside the the uh, the gate at the end of the game for about twenty. 25 minutes or something, and he said, well, I got a job opening. Why don't you come and, and interview? And I said, uh, well, I'm, I'm toying with moving to Colorado and, and this, and, but I, I, honestly, I, I was bothered by a lot of it. Uh, my daughter was at an age where I needed to be home more, and I traveled a lot. And, but I told him no then, but I, I went back to uh, where I lived at the little time in Little Rock, and uh, uh, I... Uh, I thought about it, and you know, and, and, and uh, I called him about two weeks later. I said, "I think I'm gonna come hmm. and uh, take the interview." And uh, wow, that fills in a lot of blanks for a bunch of us. Yeah, and so I, I did. And, and the rest is history with Bo Roberts, as they say. That's right. I took the job. Huh. I didn't know how long I'd stay, but here I am, 38 years later. That's great. Well, now countless professors can can say, um, you know, inspire and educate their students, right? Um, so why do you think your approach to teaching has uh, been so successful with students? Well, a faculty member needs knowledge, but he or she also needs communication skills. 
They need, they, they need to uh, uh, make contact with the student and, and, and know something about them. You know in my classes that I learned everybody's name the first day. That's right. And so by the time I got back to the second class, I could look around the room and know if you were there or not. And we couldn't hide. You wouldn't let us hide. No, I wouldn't let you hide. Because I, mean, <laughs> I was just like you. I know what you were like. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't let us wear, we wear a baseball cap, but we, you still had to see eye contact. I had eye contact. We had, you know, I had in a rally cap, and they, they had to turn them around. I think it's back to do that in a dugout in a game. We always had rally caps. That's that right. A <laughs> bunch of my baseball playing friends that played in baseball at MC were in class with me in your class. And, I remember they wore those caps, and, and, and you had them turn them around, and, and uh, you wouldn't let anybody sit still. So that's, that's it, is not only knowing the content, but also having the communication skills. Oh, yeah, and, and, and wanting to know them. I mean, I, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know I, I try to make myself available. I, stayed, I, I was over there practically every, even every Friday afternoon that was there in my office. And, and people knew, and I wanted them to know that I would be there. And I, uh, I listened to a myriad of problems. You just, uh, you know, <laughs> th- things I had no skills at solving. But people wanted someone to, uh, to listen, to, to communicate with uh, someone available. And uh, I always thought that was part of teaching. And, and, I, and I tried to take advising very seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sat down and I tried to work with you and uh, and make sure that you were on the right, uh, you were taking the right courses, you were moving uh, toward a degree, you weren't wasting your time. I got a lot of disagreements with students and they wanted to take something that was worthless and I wouldn't <laughs> sign off on it and I still wouldn't today. And, and, and I probably got a lot of that from my father because he he tried to eliminate the shenanigans in my brother and and in and my, my life and both, both of us uh, he he tried to keep us on the on the right path uh, the entire time until he died he he was that way he died at about age eighty six but it was always had that caring feeling about us to call us and talk to us and stuff and it was very very important and and in some ways I wanted to emulate that. You know, they, they say uh, you, uh, you teach your, your son or your daughter the right way to do things, not necessarily for them, but way they will know how to treat their children mm. and pass that on. And I really think in his mind, uh, he saw us that way and he wanted us to uh, be available. Uh, my brother is such a successful vet, he'll see 40 or 50 people every day in a in a vet, a uh, small vet clinic. And, and he, he does that because he's always been personable and tried to help them and been, be available. Every, he's been there, I think, 43 years. And every time he gets a new customer, that night he sits down and he writes him a personal letter. Hmm. And he puts a $25 gift certificate in there. And, and that's the reason why he'll have 40 or 50. And some days, 60 people come into his vet clinic. Yeah. Well, I know uh, my experience has got to be similar to so many others, but I remember uh, not having a lot of self-confidence. And when I was in your class, I remember thinking, 
there is no way I can do what he's asking me to do. But there was no option. I couldn't, I couldn't skip class because you'd come get me. And then when I was in class, I had to perform. And um, so I would add that in there that you somehow just knew how in class to inspire. And you, you did it custom for every student. All of us had the same general experience, but you had you were able to zero in and motivate different ones in different ways, and uh, for the most part, uh, great success. Well, you know I wouldn't let you slack, <laughs> and I knew your name, and I knew about you, and if I caught you coming in and you haven't done your work and so forth, you know I'd call on you four or five times. Yes, and I was on the receiving end of that several times. <laughs> Well, now look, you've you've done a lot of things here, um, and but there's some some significant highlights that I want to kind of focus on right quick. Um, of course, you've been a professor. You've been the dean at one time. You became the CFO, the interim president, and now you're on the foundation board. So, do you have any reflections on any of those major milestones in your career here? Anything that story that comes to mind or a a, a time that you're uh, particularly proud of or um I, I you you remember that i i got a when i was a dean i got a call in january of 2000 from the president of the, of the college at that time and he uh he said he wanted me over here uh Actually, in 30, 30 minutes to clear my calendar, <laughs> and he, he he said, "I want you over here, be over here for three weeks. I, I want you to do some work. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about some things happening in a, a financial end." So, sure enough, in thirty minutes, I was sitting over here in his office. I, I had a, a good assistant then. Actually, he's still the dean of the school of business. I hired him, Doctor Eduardo, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he and I told him I would be gone for a while, <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, and so he he immediately took over for me, and I, and I I came over, and you, you remember that we we had some financial difficulty at that time, and uh, it it took a, a lot of effort and a, a lot of good people working together uh, to get us out of that situation. But we did, we persevered, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, well, I, I remember it so vividly. Uh, I remember. Uh, in in private meetings, it would go something like this: Bo Roberts is coming over here, and he's going to get this place uh, in ship shape. Uh, that was kind of the uh, general feeling. And then, as you recall, um, I was I had been here for a number of years, and I'm in a key position of of revenue. And so, you and I had multiple conversations. And I, I one thing I remember. And I'm sure I'm going to remember it a little differently than than what it really was. But I remember it kind of went something like this. I got a phone call from you. And you said, I need you to come to my office right now. And I came downstairs. And it was probably in October. And you had just sort of looked looked ahead to the next fall. And you said, how many students are we going to have next fall? And I kind of hedged with you a little bit. I said, you know, Dr. Roberts, it's hard to know. You know, we're early. He said, I don't need you. You said, I don't need you to be telling me uh, what you don't know. Tell me what you do know. And I had these flashbacks to class like, oh, my gosh. You know, my my, my college has become my life. My, My class has become my life. And I said, 
And I gave you a number and you said, that's not enough. We gotta have about a hundred more. And I said, well, Dr. Roberts, it's October. I don't know how in the world we're gonna get a hundred more between now and August. He says, you figure it out. And I went back to my office and that's when I got a phone call from somebody that you and I later visited. We, the, the towers had fallen and we, we got on a plane and flew to that's right. uh, Richmond, Richmond, Virginia. And uh, that was a significant, to me, a significant time in my life. And as I look back on it, it uh, it's a special time because what was my teacher and the classroom had become, so to speak, real world. And we worked on it together, and we indeed did have those students that fall. That's right. We turned it around there. And you did. Uh, once again, when I didn't think I could do it, you said, oh, yes, you can. Yeah, we did. So, and you well, took us to a really good agency now. They helped us a lot. I remember that. That was about three or four weeks after 9-11, and times were difficult. And uh, we had a difficult time in and out of airports and stuff. Yeah, there were machine guns everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and our wives didn't want us to go. It was it was quite a, a time in, in the history of the college. But for, for you and me personally, I, I'll always remember that as a special time. Me too. Um, so just when we think we know everything about Bo Roberts, along comes some other stuff here that I want you to comment on because there's some people out there who really don't know this. Everything you have done that I know of, you have done it all in. There's never been halfway. I mean, at one time, you were a master at tying flies for fly fishing. I know this. <laughs> you were a deep sea fisherman, big time. You had a backyard that was a paradise of gardening. Um, and you're an artist. And recently, you've gotten into what? Well, woodworking. Woodworking, that's right. So tell tell us about fly fishing and deep sea fishing and gardening and being an artist. And what what is what is this? I, I am a learner. And everything I get into, I study and extensively. I read everything I can about it. And, uh, and so I, I'm so immersed in it that I work at it. My mind works at it. When I'm not at work... I'm home working on something like that. And I still do that. My mind is still good. I'll be 75 next month. <laughs> and, and my mind is still good. Now, the, the body now, it, it's not quite what it was. Well, but, it happens to us all. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it's those multiple interests. Most of it came because I wanted to learn. I mean, I, I even, I know this sounds silly, but about eight years ago, I went back and took trig again. I took it online, and uh, most people think, well, was that old crazy old man <laughs> taking trigonometry again? But it's something that I, I'm interested in, and actually, I wanted to take it because I was becoming interested in woodwork, and I was interested in angles and and uh, hmm. and, and measurements and, and that. So I used one of the online schools, and I took trigonometry again, and then that, I moved into studying various parts of woodworking and, and also carving too and 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 it's still a hobby of mine mm. and I still read about it but now what I do in the warm months I work in, in garden areas and, and this year I got into 
this this is funny. I got into butterfly gardening <laughs> because I got worried about the monarch butterfly. And and so now I've I've raised over the winter. I raised a lot of uh, uh, milkweed that uh, they they must have. And and now now my wife and I are are raising. Uh, we have a butterfly garden out with our vegetable garden in the backyard, and I work at it all the time when I'm off. And now we're we're helping the butterflies again proliferate in this country. I know that's funny, but I've read everything I can about butterflies in, in the interim, and it's just, and I guess as long as my, I'm, I'm I'm capable, I'll do that. I've, I've I get on various subjects and I read books about them, and I read, <laughs> and now I read more online than any other place. I probably ruined my eyes, but uh, <laughs> I do that. Well. Uh, that I'm sure you would encourage everybody to consider having an outlet, having a hobby. Oh, yeah. It helps with the stress of life. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure I picked that up from you. I've, I've developed a hobby, and it's really, I think, a good thing for all people to do. Is, and, and it's just fascinating that you have done all those things. And there's probably more you, you've done that we hadn't gone, gone over, but... Well, now, it's obvious you love students, and they love you back. Um, I spend a lot of time with alumni, and uh, your name comes up all the time. Um, what, what one thing or what few things would you like to say to your former students? Well, first of all, I love them. Hmm. I'm crazy about them. I, I, I see them. I see people like Stringer, Tony Stringer, and Jeff Blakely, and Tony Huffman and you and and we saw Guy Odom the other day. You and I together and, and Tony Greer. Tony Greer. You know, you see these people and uh, and Michelle. Uh, All, uh, uh, yeah, Ricker yeah, and Michelle uh, Ricker. Yeah, and I mean, I could name uh, a bunch of female students when I see them. It's like seeing my child that I hadn't seen for a long time. <laughs> I mean, I really. I really want to see them, and and that's even true. I mean, I got international students uh, that uh, I I talk to, uh, that uh, uh, I I don't get to see anymore. But uh, I've got a a couple international students. I introduced them. Uh, I had two of them that was advisors, and uh, one of them a guy named Reno. He he lives in uh, just north into China, but just just north of Hong Kong, down in the real southern part of China. And, and his wife, and Reno needed help in economics. And I knew she was in there. She was my advisee, too. And I, I got them together so she could help him in economics. Hmm. And uh, they ended up marrying. They are getting ready to have their second child. They let me name their first child. Wow. And that's something. And they, <laughs> they wanted to give it an English name. And I studied the kings of England and decided on Edward for them. <laughs> and, and they to this day they call it, when he was young they called him just Eddie but now they've changed it they call him Edward uh, but all of them are important uh, I felt like that uh, uh, my calling was to help students in any way I could uh, I don't know any other way to love my neighbor than to help them uh, hmm. yeah and so it's uh, it's a it's a real calling, mm. and I miss them. And I, <laughs> but I see them, I hug them, 
I wrestle with some of those ornery boys and, uh, that I had. They've yeah. been big grown men now. Uh, <laughs> some of them too big to wrestle with, like you. I can wrestle with them. But uh, I miss them, and, and I think about them, and, and they're a real integral part of my life and always will be. Well, if they come back by here, you would love to see them, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. You know, I think about and you know, you know, I've I've had, I mean, we had some great African American students here. People, mm-hmm. April Washington, is one of the best students I ever had, <laughs> and we had a we had a a tight end on the football team from uh, outside of Orlando, Florida, like down there that left us about oh in the last ten years was a great student here and a great ball player. I still talk to him. He called me when his first son was born, <laughs> and we we talk and then so. The association with the students has made my life complete. Hmm. Uh, if if I, I take my wife, my children, and my students, and and that's to me, that's ninety five percent of my life on this earth, and and, and I feel strongly about all of them. It's a very rich life, a wealthy life of oh, relationships. A wealthy life. You don't make a lot of money, but, man, you have a lot of good days. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, I always end with this on every podcast, and uh, everybody would want to know what your thoughts are. What individual has had a significant impact on your life at Mississippi College, and what's the story? You know, the, this, this may seem strange to people, but the, the person that I think impacted me the most here was Dr. Gold. Dr. Sam Gore. Dr. Sam Gore. Hmm. Yeah, um, I, uh, we just, sometimes you see people and, and you immediately love each other and you hug each other every time you see it. And that's the way it was with Dr. Gore. Hmm. And I, I think him and, and uh, Dr. Kenneth Quinn, I got interested in, in art. And that's another time where, I, you know, a period of time. I actually painted for about 10 years. But Dr. Gore was so dedicated to his students. If there's ever a role model for somebody at an institution of higher learning, it, a perfect role model, it should be Dr. Sam Gore. Mm-hmm. What a guy. What a person he did. And uh, it, he, uh, his, his self-portrait, he... he a copy of it, actually. What he did, uh, Dr. Quinn uh, tried to get him for years to uh, paint a self-portrait of himself. And he did. And he took it to Dr. Quinn, but he, he didn't have two of them, but he made a copy of that one. And he signed it and framed it and brought it to me. <laughs> and well, little people know this story. Dr. Gore came to me when I was interim president. And you know, I have a nickname, Bo. And Dr. Gore talked slowly. He, he, he turned Bo into about three civil syllables. <laughs> he said, Bo. <laughs> he said, I think I've got one more in me. And I said, and I asked him what he meant, but long story short, the, the, the work out here of, uh, of uh, Christ washing the feet of the disciples, he, he proposed that to me that day. Hmm. And I said, Dr. Gore, he said, no, he did say, he always had a little twist in him. You know, you know, he tried to work on you a little bit. He said, Bill Haven wants me to do it. I said, <laughs> I said, I said Dr. Gore, we're not letting you go to Bill Haven. Let me go talk to the Board of Trustees. And I did. And even though we didn't have a lot of money at that time, 
we did that. Hmm. And he made, he started with a little cl small clay model, and uh, it's, it's over in our gallery, okay? And then he made a bigger model, and it was almost exactly like out, out the one out, out here, except one we see in the quad, except there's been a movement of the arm, and his wife, Margie, recommended that. And so from there to the one in the quad, the only change is that he moved uh, the position of one of the arms in there at the recommendation of Margie, his wife. But he gave me that model. I've got that in my house. Mm. Now, I'm on, uh, as I get closer to the end of my life, I'm gonna give this back to the school. My, my offsprings don't need that. The school needs to keep that model. Mm -hmm. and, and I need to uh, point out this, uh, that change to the people here, and that needs to be recorded somewhere. And I'm gonna tell you one more story about it. When we were placing the, the final one out here, I was out there in the quad trying to get everything straight, and uh, we'd built the foundation and stuff, and it was all there and placing it there. And we got it settled down in the right position and, and started securing the uh, in the quad. And he leaned over me and he said, oh, except it three or four syllables, like <laughs> oh. He said, this thing will be preaching long after we're dead. Wow. Wow. What a man, I'm telling you. That is an MC story. That is a really MC story and a great one. And that was a great person. Uh, I don't know if anybody else had a national treasure like we had here yeah. with Sam Gore. Absolutely. And he went on for many years after that and did other works. It never quit. <laughs> he, he had a belief that... In the Bible, the word retirement did not exist. <laughs> well, a life well lived. Yes. And, and you too as well. Yours is still touching a lot of people. Thank you for your time. Uh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe at iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also write to us at alumni at mc.edu or if you want to give us a tweet, it's at M-I-S-S College. As always, share this podcast with alumni and friends, and let's do something great for Mississippi College.